Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Phone Podcast. I, I haven't done an intro in a long time, and I was thinking of what a friend of mine said to me. Strombo, what's up? He said, always give your audience a promise. And so what I try to do is to maintain a sense of inclusivity on the show. I don't go after people. I don't downgrade people because we, we live in a society that already does that. So, you know, and I'm also letting you know that if you if there's an explicit warning on this show, you do not listen to it unless you are old enough to listen to it. Okay, there's a reason why this is adult conversation talking about films with, you know, those wonderful words that not everyone can say. I am fully aware that this is President's Weekend. We're not going to talk about any presidents right now. I do have on in the background young, young, (laughs) young Mr. Lincoln, um, where Henry Fonda, I think Henry Fonda with that voice playing Abraham Lincoln, but he was playing young Mr. Lincoln. He wasn't playing the president that we would all soon know. Um, And it was released in 1939. 1939 was a very pivotal year for film. That is the year of film when you've got young Mr. Lincoln, uh, Ninochka, Gone with the Wind, The Wizard of Oz, Stagecoach, Goodbye Mr. Chips, um... What is the other one? Uh, where is it? Um, it has uh, Lawrence Olivier in it. It, it. Right now, it escapes me. But we are going to talk about, you know, I, I like shows. And there was a show that was on a couple of years ago. It, it wasn't as big as Game of Thrones. And that was Black Sails. And we're going to talk about that. Because what? <laughs> who would have thought you get you get a gay pirate? You get a gay Captain Flint. All right. So we're going to talk about that and more. Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. My voice is slowly, slowly, slowly. Here's how I know it is back is when I can do certain things with it, you know, without having to worry. So my laugh is still hoarse. Um, So I don't know what else to tell you. But Dr. Zeus Film Podcast coming up. Let's keep it professional, people. I gave you an order. And what happens when those orders get us killed? Tell me we're not crazy to put ourselves through all of it. If there's anyone who can make it better, it's you. You're lying to them. For their own good. Time and again he gambles with our lives. I'm gonna deliver them into something better. This is a potential prize that changes everything. No matter the struggle! No matter the cost, I'm gonna make you the princess of the new world! Complete with explosions, which is what Michael Bay gets hard off of. Um, welcome 
to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That's a little humor right there. Um, and also, Jason Almy and I know someone who loves nothing but Michael Bay films. Michael Bay did Michael Bay did produce some of Black Sails, but thankfully he didn't write it. Black Sails really is uh, a prequel to the very famous Treasure Island. Robert Louis Stevenson, Captain Flint. Come on, but he only he only makes like a ghost appearance um, in Treasure Island. By that time, you know, decades have already passed. But Black Sails, Black Sails, oh, you've got sex, you've got pirates, you've got more sex, you've got pirates. <laughs> and also, you have a gay pirate, probably have more than one. I mean, come on, you know, it's Black Sails. <laughs> it was uh, brought to Stars Entertainment in 2014. And lasts until 2017, created by Jonathan E. Steinberg, Toby Stevens as Mr. Captain Flint. I mean, I I absolutely loved it. I want to give a shout out to um, a friend of the podcast, Kev, because his husband, James J, loves pirates. And he had talked about it. And I thought, I'll check that out. Damn. There's some, there's some, uh, some, uh glasses of water and, and black sails that's all I'll say huh you know everyone was talking about uh, Game of Thrones I get it yes you can't, can't compare Game of Thrones to black sails or could you could you well you do have homosexual elements in both <laughs> but what does it matter it's the Dr. Zeus film podcast I've, I've talked about black sails before um, but it's almost at the 10th year anniversary. It didn't last very long. I would have liked for it to have lasted longer. I think with um, shows, you know, it's it's either a hit and miss for some. But when I heard... Now, Toby Stevens. If you don't know who Toby Stevens is, you know who his mother is. Dame Maggie Smith. And her first husband, um, Robert Stevens. Was it Robert? I think so. <laughs> oh, it's been it's been a long day. But in 2014, Toby Stevens came into the forefront playing the feared, the uh I mean <laughs> the mysterious Captain Flint. And maybe Singleton is right. Maybe it's time we made a change. Think carefully. What lies ahead, Mr. Singleton, can I see you through? And what is that? There's a war coming. Billy. One ship isn't a war. One ship isn't what's coming. That man Hume, the captain of the Scarborough, told you as much. The king brands his pirates. He doesn't mean to make his adversaries. He doesn't mean to make his criminals. He means to make his monsters. For that's the only way his God-fearing, tax-paying subjects can make sense of men who keep what is theirs and fear no one. When I say there's a war coming, I don't mean with the Scarborough. I don't mean with King George or England. 
civilization is coming. And it means to exterminate us. If we are to survive, we must unite behind our own king. You have no kings here. I am your king. Wait, he says that with clenched teeth. I am your king. They picked the perfect guy to play. Captain Flint. Mysterious. Captain Flint. And um, maybe in reality, Captain Flint. I don't know. I don't know. This is Toby Stevens talking about playing Captain Flint. Hi, I'm Toby Stevens. I play Captain Flint in Black Sails on Stars every Saturday evening. It's such a unique project. The production values on it are incredible. I mean, the sets are just enormous and the detail is phenomenal. When I read the first script, I realized that this was a slight departure for Stars. You get a real feel of what it would have been like being in a battle between a merchant ship and a, and a pirate ship for both crews and how horrific that would be and how claustrophobic and how the violence is often used by characters like Flint, who's a pirate captain who has to hold on to his position. It's almost like PR. You have to be feared. You have to be, people have to be scared of you. So you have to do these kind of terrible things to, to consolidate your position. Uh, amongst your crew and also, uh, you know, to make sure that any vessel that you're approaching with your flag up, they know it's you and they will be frightened and they'll give up easily. I'm probably one of the eldest members of the, of the cast. I mean, you know, I'm now in my 40s. Most of them are in their late 20s, maybe early 30s. And so I leave it up to them to go and party. I, I normally just kind of keep myself to myself a week because also you're working with these people all, all through the week. At the weekends, you just want to have a better time to yourself. And also I have a family back in the UK, so I fly back a lot to go and spend time with them. My kids come out like, like for whenever they can, really, whenever they got holidays or whatever, and they come. The makeup team uh, made them all up as pirates put them in costumes and we kind of got them on the ships and took photos of them and it was it was great my eldest is six at the moment my youngest is three i i don't think they really have any idea of what's going on they just know it's quite fun that's toby stevens talking about black sails now something happened in the second season here we go then season two totally flips that on its head and you realize actually you have no you it had no idea that this was going on underneath and then when hopefully you go back and think about season one again a lot of things will suddenly fall into place and you go oh my god that's what was going on i'm sure that it informs you get that part where you see season one in a different way but i'm sure it informs the way that you're kind of doing the role in the, in the second season two yeah i mean the thing was that uh, John Steinberg and Robert Levine told me the whole backstory before I even took the role. And uh, I mean, when I was about to test for it, they said, look, we, we need to tell you exactly where this is going. We want to let you know. And I just thought it was the coolest because I was like, I, I read this script and I thought, oh, this is a really gnarly, violent pilot, pirate who's incredibly enigmatic and, you know, and driven. And then suddenly you, you, 
when they told me that, I could see what was underneath all of this. And the reason that why he was, the whole point was, the reason he is this man is because of everything that's happened in his past to him and the way that it's made him sort of shut down as a human being. Let's talk, let's talk about how important those, how important those, those early alliances were for Flint going into the present story. Well, I think that obviously his, the, I think the relationship with the Hamiltons is pivotal, pivotal to him as a, as, a, as a person. I think that his relationship with Thomas Hamilton, the initial friendship, and then them becoming lovers is sort of like, he, he, it was the realization of himself. I think he, he, he became. And I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, but yes. So that's where it's kind of like, what? There probably were gay pirates back then. They probably didn't even know what it was. Or they would they, they have that term bugger, men who buggered each other. Yeah, that's how the British kind of surmise it up. <laughs> but here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, I'm, I'm all about it. Um... But yeah, Black Sails, whenever I tell people, I mean, if you look at the production value and the story, and growing up, I loved Treasure Island. I still do. Um, I remember, I think I was, how old was I? I know how old I am now. <laughs> um, this was probably 33 years ago. 33 years ago. Yes, I was nine so I wasn't yet 10 because I'm a December baby. And we were in school and we were watching Treasure Island. I had, I had, you know, I'd always heard about Treasure Island. I'd never read the book. And it was Oliver Reed, the late Oliver Reed. Okay. Oliver Reed was just this brilliant actor. And he played Billy Bones. And Christian Bale, Christian Bale was a teenager. He was playing um, Jim, um, and him and his mother owned the, the that that inn. And Mister Bones came in and offered them all this money. And he gets the black spot. That's where these pirate stories they intrigued me and enthralled me as a boy. And I remember, oh God, Charlton Heston, Charlton Heston, and his son I think had directed it for cable. Um, Charlton Heston was Long John Silver. That really was the um, the thing right there was the one-legged man was played by Moses himself. <laughs> and I remember I would watch it, and then I remember we watched it at school. I think I saw it at school first. And then we had this tree in front of our house, and I would climb up the tree because it was easy to climb up, not so much get down. And I would pretend that I was a little pirate, just like Christian Bale's character. Well, he wasn't a pirate, but he, you know, he was a, uh, he was a bosun. And I would stay up there until the sun came down and I pretended like it was the crow's nest. So that's why I loved pirates, you know, not, not the murdering and pillaging that they're known for. <laughs> no. Um, so when I had heard about black sails, I went, okay. And I mean, it is beautiful to watch. I mean, those scenes, you know, Nassau and they filmed it, I think, in parts of South Africa. 
and the production value that's i think that a lot of people don't get is these these films and tv shows that you see that are just uh so um decadent it's all about the production value that's what it's about and so i love that they took the story that we all knew treasure island and gave us a prequel because you know and it's either you're going to do a remake or you're going to do a prequel. You do a prequel and you can take liberties with a story that we all grew to love. And um, that's what they did. I mean, I don't think Robert Louis Stevenson ever probably thought that uh, one of his pirates would be gay. But then again, it, this was in the early days and... <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love this show. I love this show. It was done so well. Um And yeah, there was a there was a lot of sex and there was a lot of you know Here we go. And given our current war footing, precisely no one in Whitehall wants to wear that label right now. If you propose this to your father, he will almost certainly distance himself from it and most likely from you. Now, I only know what I've heard of your father, but if half of what I've heard is true, he's not a man one wants as an enemy. If you're asking me as your liaison to the Admiralty, my advice to you is that this is a maneuver only to be approached with utmost caution. But as your friend, I suggest you forget you ever thought of it. So they're friends, but <laughs> then they become much more. And that's and there's and there's a lot of that. It's not just Captain Flint's story. There's also other there's lesbianism. There's who knows? I think I think we're you know, we live in a world where there's all these taglines and labels and but back then there were no labels. It was a it was a different time. It was about gold, it was about seeing the world. Being on a ship, storms, piracy. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I am enjoying my four-day weekend, but at the same time, I want to get back to what I do because I love it. And um, pirates in history—you know, history was always my favorite subject growing up, and I always try to bring that to this podcast. Whether it's music, whether it's history, you know, film. Um, it's not lost on me today that it is the birthday of a certain gentleman who took music. You could say he was a pirate. <laughs> he took music and he changed it forever. And that was Kurt Cobain. Born February 20th, 1967. Died 30 years ago next year, April 5th, 1994. All right. And... Um, I mean, you know, I could see the pirates rocking out to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. But we could end tonight's show with the man himself who was so, uh, you know, I don't want to get Siri into this because, yeah. Um, but when it came to the music, he knew what he wanted to do. He knew how he wanted it to sound. Um, 
I don't think there will be ever be a movie where anyone can really portray Kurt Cobain. Um, I think he himself is, you know, in terms of the interviews. We didn't prepare ourselves enough to have as much control as we wanted to, you know. And um, I just remember walking in the day of the shoot and looking at the set because I, you know, had meetings with Sam there, and um, I told him what I wanted. I drew pictures of it, and I walked in, and it wasn't what I wanted. You know, it just it looked like a Time Life commercial to me. You know, with that backdrop, it just looked like such a contemporary. You know, you know those kind of commercials where people are sitting there, you know, trying to sell aspirin or something, or you know, an AT and T commercial. That's what it looked like to me. It looked too contemporary. And, but um, still, the kids made the video, you know, and I had to like, even after Sam had edited it, he edited it and um, sent it to me, and I didn't like it, and I flew down at the last minute to L.A. and and edited it myself. I, I threw in a few extra things, which pretty much saved it, because um, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I mean, there were a lot of really, there was a lot of really good footage that wasn't used, and if a lot of that wasn't used, it would have been a really bad video. <laughs> More crowd stuff, you mean, and the kids weren't Yeah, yeah, there wasn't really a lot of that, and most of the stuff that was used looked really contrived. It didn't. It would, there was no spontaneity in it, so I just threw all the spontaneous parts in. Um, and also, and then, well, I guess after that, um, you did a, a, a couple of them. First, like, uh, <clears throat> what was now the only? I guess the the blues and the purples and your faces being a, a, um, distorted was was the only thing you really wanted from the collaboration. Are the biggest things that you were concerned? Yeah, those are the biggest things. And, um, you know, I wanted a baby underwater, and I just wanted a, a water effect. And uh, overall, I'd say, you know, a real large percentage of that was exactly how I thought of it in my mind. And but he came up with the idea of the, um, the actual set, you know, with the stairs and, and the chandelier and stuff. And it just, it just worked out perfectly. I mean, it's really good. It's great to... Since it's your uh, it's your first interview with us, um, well, uh, you you got an album up to be released. Uh, well, we we can't uh, we can't uh, we cannot not talk about that first major label uh, label deal. Uh, so tell me if I, huh? No, because I mean, just, I, I ask it so many times. I mean, to so many bands that have been on independent labels before and then on major labels before that, it sounds. I, I'm always wondering if it's redundant in, uh, in, in some point, but anyway, I mean, uh, what, what did... Do you like the B-52s? I love them. Do you like Blondie? Do you like Devo? Yeah, yeah. Do you like the Cars? I love them. Well, okay. Do you like Plastic Ono Band live in Toronto? That was okay. I didn't hear the live album, though. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how we got on the subject of the B-52s. Oh, yeah? Oh, all those bands are on major labels, too. Yeah, that's it. And the Ramones, and the Clash, and the Six Pistols. The Six Pistols. Not to say we're half as good as any of those bands but it's pretty much no way can we touch a plastic ono there's our answer for for the major Not label question does it change anything mm. Mm. yeah just and kurt from the band nirvana are here and you are a band that is also from washington but you're not from the quote seattle area now right no we're in a 
We live on the I-5 corridor. Kurt lives in Olympia, and I live in Tacoma. Because if you notice, it's like all these bands lately, with the Alice in Chains and the Soundgarden, you know, everybody's like, oh, the, the, the big emerging Seattle rock scene. I mean, when you guys started, were you playing clubs with those bands? No, we were playing clubs with like Mud Honey and Tad. Fluid. Seen Tad. Fluid. Yeah, and uh, we played a show with Soundgarden in Olympia, like out in this park during the day. It was really neat. So when you guys started, I mean, like the bands like, like that you mentioned before, part of the sub-pop thing, right. you guys were kind of an underground, didn't start in the, let's say, quote, rock and roll clubs. You were kind of playing like for the college crowds and the underground yeah. scene first, right? Yeah. yeah. And then it just crossed over? Well, that's, you know, that's where we got our start is like we were listening to Black Flag and MDC and we, we always were like into punk rock and stuff. And we just kind of fell into this Seattle thing, like all the bands that I mentioned before. Because the way they're, they're, they're categorizing it, they're calling it, you know, part of this grunge sound. And now they've said, you know, Nirvana is the newest band in this, you know, I, I hate putting labels on things, but they're saying that you're the newest of this, the new grunge sound. Yeah. I'm starting to understand like what grunge is. It's like if you have heavy metal, it's like a lot of it's the same guitar sound. I think grunge has to do with a guitar sound. It does have kind of a fine title. It's grunge. Like grunge is more organic guitars, like you know, Mud Honey, they have their crazy sounding guitars and um Tad, just totally growly, like a different sound. Growly. Growly, yeah. So like Tad, new... he's a big bear and he just growls. Like, oh, should be in a tour bus with that guy. <laughs> now, we're about to play the video, which also happens to be the number five Skull Crusher, which uh, is a very good thing. And we'll play that and then we'll talk about it a little bit later. Would you like to lead into it for us? It's okay. Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit. <laughs> I mean, isn't it pretty overwhelming? Everybody wants to be hip. <laughs> and so that's what it is. Dress for the ball. There you go. And he wouldn't wear his tux. He didn't give me a corsage either. No. So he hurt his feelings. At least um, I asked you out. <laughs> this thing has got to be like, I mean, pretty wild. I mean, everywhere you go, in all different types of the music scene, people like really seem to be getting into Nirvana right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, isn't it pretty overwhelming? Everybody wants to be hip. <laughs> and so that's what it Everyone is now. wants to be accepted. That's right. It's like a core of um, personality and ego. It's like humans are social creatures. So um, I can't hear. Cover <laughs> <laughs> thing is covering your Oh, it's good to look at you. Yeah, and that's the uh, psychological aspect of the band's popularity. Mm, maybe so they like the record. I don't it know. could be the music, maybe. Uh, I mean, I like the music. No, I don't know no, about no. The you don't understand. It's got to be a very heavy, heartfelt conversation. Now, emotions. How long have you guys been together? I mean, you had an album out before this one. We've been together since like early '87, and our album came out in um, first album, Bleach, came out in July of '89. And that was kind of just a part of an underground scene. Sort yeah, of. it was totally underground. Nope. The sub pop label. Uh, which is basically a lot of bands from Seattle, right? Yeah, yeah. There's like Fluid. They're from um, Denver. And... and that is Kurt and Chris of Nirvana at, in, during the whole heyday of the thing um, on Headbangers Ball talking about Nirvana. 
did they actually reach nirvana? It's hard to say. You know, some people at some point feel that they've reached, like Tina Turner, you should feel that they've reached their nirvana. I'm not there yet. I will say, you know, in terms of, you know, think I think when you get to a certain point in life, and there's a and there's a tie into this in black sales, you know, uh, you have to find new challenges. Life has to be challenging in terms of maybe your work, maybe getting your point across, and um, but yeah, age really shouldn't factor into that. I think people assume that of the, when they're of a certain age, they can't go back to school, they can't do this, and it's never too late. So, I mean, if you want to do grunge, I don't know, could we bring it back? Okay. I think there's elements of grunge in everything. You know, hip hop artists are doing it in terms of the the dress, the clothes, and then you have the next generations getting into bands like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. You know, and I I will tie it into Black Sales, where if you you know if we could bring it back, because I love when they bring things back, only good things though. You could have like just like a metal soundtrack. You know what I mean? Um. Because there are certain things that I'll watch And it's like yeah You could put like a, a whole Metal soundtrack to that So and it, and it would fit It would fit in terms of the story And in terms of the narrative And I'm all about that You know the narrative Everyone has a narrative And um, whether it's You know you've got brown hair Or blue hair But then maybe your hair doesn't define you Maybe your thoughts define you and um, yeah for five years I've been doing this you know in the beginning I would come home from work and just record the show and it was called the Dr. Zeus podcast back then in 2018 and then I changed it in 2020 and I don't you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? Because it ha- you know, it doesn't always have to be entertainment. I mean, we all thrive off of entertainment. And I'm not going to toot my own horn. But some people find me entertaining. They probably think I'm a little nuts, which is fine. A little of that is the ADD. You know, as a child, I had ADD. I still have a little bit of it. Um, those who know me know that sometimes... My thought process is like, oh shit, I gotta calm it down. It works perfectly in a gym because then you're like, okay, I'm gonna do the leg lift and then I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna, you know, you, your your energy is boundless. But working wise, it's like, okay, let's calm down, let's focus, and I'm able to do that. So, except when I get flabbergasted and then it's all, it all goes to hell. <laughs> Um. So yeah, that's that's why I do this. I do it. I would. I've always dreamed. Oh God, no! No, I sound like I'm on television. No, thank you. I'm having my own show and being very professional and being in a studio and having my friends come over and recording. Like, okay, come on the show. Let's talk about this because I want to have people on that I know who are very very creative. You know, um, 
we you know we live in a world where everyone takes takes stock and listen watches reality TV and that intrigues them. And people always say, "Do you watch the Kardashians?" No, because I have a real life. Because I actually know people who are interesting characters much more, and there's no script. They really are like that in real life. So I'll have them on the show, and they'll talk about all kinds of stuff, and that's what it's about. That's why I don't like reality TV. I could have one of my friends on the show, and they would just... It's a ruckus. It's a ruckus, and it's real. It's, it is so real that even I am like, I can't stop laughing. Or even some of the stuff that I do, I, you know, I, I, I am very aware that I'm eccentric, that I'm weird. And that I am a trip. I am a trip to sun. Some people are like, okay. Like, especially when I talk, because I've had people say, you don't look how you talk, you know, uh, my face and all that. Um, and then they hear me talk and it's like, okay, <laughs> it's, it's a trip. It really is a trip. Um, so yeah, I like that. I don't fit the quintessential idea of people that I you know I may look one way and then I talk and they're like whoa <laughs> they're like whoa that's why I do the show um, and and the way I do it is very bare bones you hear stuff in the background thankfully today you didn't because like I got the speaker out because I wanted to at least make an effort and I didn't want you to hear things that you shouldn't be hearing <laughs> like me laughing while we're watching something um, right now I have young Mr. Lincoln on mute and I'm watching it I don't have the captions on otherwise it would be interesting but I, as I watch it and you know this is President's, uh, President's uh, Day the holiday and how Henry Fonda looks in silhouette and he looks like Lincoln. And then Henry Fonda's voice. If we can, let's let's turn on the volume. See if it's loud enough. Okay. And see if you hear Henry Fonda's voice. He yeah he could he could be Abraham Lincoln. That's, that's always the thing when actors play someone that you don't have a sound recording of. And I and then when I talked about Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln and how Lincoln was going to find... Or how... Sorry. How Daniel Day-Lewis, the method actor, was going to find Lincoln's voice. And that's, that's totally different than Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda was not a method actor. He didn't get it. He was of the old school. So his daughter, Jane Fonda, was a method, a method actor. And he didn't get it. He didn't like that. You know, he had his own kind of way of doing things. And um, there's another, the TCM, they're playing, what is it, um, one about FDR um, in a little bit. But yeah, you know, five years of doing this show, and, and I've had to be creative in terms of, okay... How are, how am I going to bring the next year into this? Because I always have different, you know, aspirations and different intentions for this show. You know, I don't want to talk in a monotone because then some of you are going to be like, oh, my fucking God. 
this guy is putting me to sleep. It's bad enough my driving puts people to sleep, but sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, I I was taking some friends to a concert and my friend was like, your driving puts me to sleep. And we were driving to San Francisco because I'm very, very careful how I drive because I want to make it in one piece and I want to make it home in one piece. And then if I got people in the car, come on, you know, but when I do a podcast, I don't want to put people to sleep. I want I want them to listen, you know, maybe get under the covers and listen to the show. I used to record the show in bed. That's that's how drained I was from when I worked in early education. I was so fucking drained. And now it's kind of different. Now it's kind of like I'm pumped up. I'm pumped up because first of all, I don't work till 5 like I used to. That was that was disturbing. Now it's kind of like you you show up, you have to read your 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 notes and then boom. They're there. I don't like to talk about what I do now because there is a, a disconnect, there is a separation of it because I actually love what I do during the day. I thrive upon it. And um, doing this show at night is just kind of me, you know. It's like when you light the candle and you're in the incense and you release. I do, I do that. But when I do a podcast, it's a, it's a wonderful release of the day, of the week. And you know, I've got plans. I, I think everyone has plans. And uh, my mind has all these different factoids in it that, and because I have a pretty good memory. Uh, I wish I could remember names better because then it's like, you know, sometimes you see a face and it's like, oh, oh, geez, what's their name? Oh, I forget. And and that's when you realize, oh, you need to take your vitamins in the morning. <laughs> see what I mean? When I'm laughing, that's how I can tell my voice is not 100% is my laugh. It's like, oh, God, it's still kind of parched or not parched as horse. Um well, yeah, for five years I've been doing this podcast, and then you realize everyone has a podcast. Um, thankfully, no one else in my family does this, uh, because then you know we'd we'd have some competition on our hands. But <sighs> I just I try to keep the ball rolling. That's what I try to do to keep it interesting, to keep it intriguing. To keep you all coming back for more. I I have lost track of the episodes that I've recorded because I don't I don't really go back and listen to them. Some of them I do because you know I'm very kind of like yeah okay how do I sound? I want to make sure that it's flowing because once I record it I record it. I very rarely edit it. Some of them I've had to because you can hear people screaming at me on the other end either needed me to do something or whatever or a phone call phone call usually interrupts the show or a text message so yeah that's the dr zeus film podcast where today we talked about black sales go watch it it's available to stream on stars the app it's on youtube shoot you could come over we'll put on the dvds yes i have the dvds we'll watch it um or just watch just Read Treasure Island. <laughs> That's the way to go. But in the long run, doing this podcast has really been a labor of love. 
and my you know at first this was my passion just doing the show what i did professionally was i i had lost i had just lost it i did not want to do it anymore and now it's kind of kind of 50 50 you know it's changed for the better and um yeah so we'll be back after these uh i'm gonna take a pause and i'm gonna tuck you all in Stay tuned, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. I really haven't done an outro in a while. Usually it's part of that episode. And here we are. It's almost the end of February. And don't worry. I have more black history that I'm going to talk about. Because this is Black History Month. But I will echo something that Morgan Freeman once said. Whoa, whoa, wait. You're going to regulate my history to a month? In the shortest month of the year? So yeah, there is there is some bullshit. There's always bullshit. And that's why I try to talk about performers, black performers, black directors, producers every day of the year. Musicians. People that I admire. People that I'm like, oh, if only I could do that, you know, and kind of interject the art into the masses. So we talked about black sales and nirvana. Have you reached Nirvana? Unfortunately, I don't think Kurt Cobain ever reached Nirvana. Today, he would have been 56 years old. He didn't make it. He lived to be 27 years old. He died at the age of 27, 29 years ago. He's been dead <coughs> longer. <coughs> Excuse me. God, that cough. He's been dead longer than he's been alive. So he's been dead for 30 years. He didn't make it to 30. That really is a trip. It's a trip. That's what I wanted to talk about. (laughs) So yeah, it's President's Day weekend. I have a four-day weekend. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Tucking you all in. And um, as always, because I always say this for my cousin, because we both love Elvira. Unpleasant dreams. (laughs) 